Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for matchsticks and gasoline. The Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. It's Mark, Michael, and Maddie this afternoon. And uh, how's everybody doing today? My dog is barking. Just lovely. <laughs> awesome. Michael, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great, Mark. <laughs> yes, much better mood since we uh, last podcasted. I can guarantee that for sure. Uh, last night, the Calgary Flames won their second game in a row under Daryl Sutter, a 3-1 to victory over the Montreal Canadiens. And I would think from start to finish, a very convincing victory for the Flames and another defensive gem. Um, anybody want to hop in and just get their opinions on uh, last night's 3-1 to victory? Michael? Yeah, I I had a lot of fun watching it last night. Same with the Thursday game. Like, It's just been so refreshing to see this team kind of playing with, with a sense of calm under them, under Sutter. It just seems like Throughout the game, they're kind of just in control, and that's something I would argue you almost never saw under Ward. And even to see guys like Monaghan and Levo kind of coming back, and I thought Oliver Shillington was great last night. Like, just to see some of these guys who had struggled so far this year really take a step forward in the last couple games and uh, see the team developing under Sutter has been uh, really nice to see and a really nice change. Yeah, Maddie, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree completely. I. I can't remember the last like fun game we had to be completely honest before this little stretch here. Um, so it's just a lovely palate cleanser. And so far I have very few complaints. So that's, that's just lovely. I'm, I'm really enjoying these slow plotting defensive masterpieces. The flames have put out there. I mean, you look at Montreal shot totals for the night. Six in the first period, 10 in the second period, nine in the third period. The Flames are just locking them down. They're standing them up in the neutral zone. They're making it difficult for uh, the Canadians now, their opponents, we can say, um, to actually get into the offensive zone. And when they get in there, the Flames, it just seems like they're all over the guy with the puck. Like whoever has the puck seems like there's three guys immediately on him. The puck is turned over and it's going the other way. And their, their zone entries are getting much cleaner as well. So, um, yeah, it's been fun to watch. And I'm like, if they play two to one, three to one games the rest of the season, I'm fine with it. As much fun as it was watching those Bob Hartley teams score five, six goals a game and these wild, crazy offensive, you know, shootouts, I'm much happier watching the Flames just stand teams up and not let them shoot the puck and then do, but do what they have to do. But on the other side of it, too, you look at Calgary, they had 36 shots on net last night. So it's not like the offense isn't doing anything either, right? I mean, it's not just defense, they're playing almost a complete hockey game. Six, two nights in a row, they played 60 minutes. Uh, Michael, thoughts? Well, yeah, like you just said, two nights in a row, they played 60 minutes. And I feel like maybe there was one other like full 60-minute game the whole previous 25 games or whatever it was this year. Like, it's it's just been amazing to watch like how quickly apparently the Sutter culture has kind of settled in on this team. And like 
from him only getting there Monday or Tuesday last week to really getting it going the way he has has been impressive. And specifically, I would like to point out the uh, the forecheck they've been doing is just something we we haven't seen out of this team really ever, just the strength that they're always on the puck in the offensive zone. Like, if you look at that first Monaghan goal last night, like, he forechecked and then Richie came in, forced the turnover, the Monaghan kind of just walked out and scored. Like, it's it's just been – I think I've said this, like, four times already in the five minutes we've been on, but it's just refreshing to watch this team right now. Yeah, they almost seem like there's some reclamation projects on this roster as well. Like, guys are starting to flourish. Like, Monaghan's game is turning around. Um, you know, Bennett looks a little more confident. And even a guy like Oliver Shillington, who's been buried – you know, on the taxi squad this season, looked really good last night. Maddie, anybody else on the team you think has um, stepped up or maybe, you know, has benefited from the new culture? Um, I think I'd just like to emphasize Shillington there, just like especially considering the circumstances. Um, it, I We've talked at length about this, how it just didn't make sense that they were burying him, even if they're over him and want to move him. Like, But I, I thought he had a, a really good game last night so that was nice to see um I do want to I think pump the brakes a little bit just because I don't know like when they first made Ward interim coach like they had a run of really good games um so I'm I'm still not completely sure how much of this is like Sutter specifically or if it's just general new coach magic um i'm hopeful that it's like they're just genuinely turning things around and things are going to be good now but i'm we've been hurt before so i'm a little bit scared no i I think that is a valid point is you know calgary's play right now you know the new coach bump you know where they're going to play well for four or five games and then get back to their old ways or is this really legitimate you could even say like Montreal had played three night, three games and four nights that first game against Calgary. You know, they could have been tired, whatever. They got into Calgary late, yada, yada, yada. But last night, both teams were fully rested and Calgary came out and really stuck it to them. Um, Michael, um, I, I can see Maddie's point. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on that? Are you, are you full in, all in on buying on this or is it maybe possibly new coach bump? I mean, like, I'm shocked Maddie isn't putting all of her life savings into betting on the Flames to win the Cup like I am. Like, <laughs> we're all in two games, you know, that's that's it. That's all you need to see. Like, it's complete culture change, teams going. No, I think um, I think she brings up a good point. Like, I'm always wary of the new coach bump as well. But on the bright side with it, it seems like Sutter's the kind of coach that, like, if they start kind of falling back in their old habits, like, he's not going to allow it. Like, he'll just snap the whip on them and they'll – hopefully keep it going but yeah like i don't expect them to play this kind of style all year where they're completely out chancing teams completely limiting them but i think at the very least like should they fall back like he should have the ability to get them at least close to this kind of level the rest of the way like we're not going to see under war where like the first five or six games were great and then they kind of just fell into that same kind of habits and issues they had that they pretty much carried all of last year into the start of this year like i think it's going to work out with Sutter a lot better than it has with past coaches. Yeah, I think so too. And I think what Sutter has going for him is he has that pedigree. He's had success in the league. You know, he took a, he won two cups. He, you know, like we always said the Flames were a goal away from winning a Stanley Cup. And then he took the Kings to the conference finals, you know, in his third year there. So it's not like Sutter doesn't have that kind of pedigree. He's a guy who's coming in that players, you almost, you really have no choice. You have to respect him or you're not going to play. 
And you've seen what he's done with Calgary's lines. I mean, they roll four lines. The minutes are not even, but they're pretty close. I mean, the fourth line's getting, you know, a lot of shifts out there. And they seem to be like, as a whole, the team just looks more engaged when they're playing out there. Um, you know, Johnny Gaudreau's forecheck has become out of nowhere. It's been amazing. Uh, Monaghan's forechecking. Uh, Mangiapane, I don't think, I think Mangiapane could be like, motivated by a glass of milk i don't even think it matters like he doesn't need anybody to push him he just goes but the the whole team looks more engaged the defense looks tighter um all around i just think they're playing better hockey now one thing i did notice last night that i love about sutter on the bench is he's always interacting or engaging with somebody on the bench coaching somebody up not just standing there watching the game fall apart. I mean, he saw it. He was in Gaudreau's ear last night about something. I don't know what it can only imagine what that conversation was. But, Matty, do you like your coach to be like that? Do you want them engaged all the time talking to players? Or do you think at the NHL level it's more like your pros, you should be able to go out there and do your thing, and I can adjust a little bit here and there? Um, I think I'm good with it in general. I mean, if it gets too micromanagey, then that's a problem. But um, – engagement I think is never a bad thing so um I'm good with it I think Michael your thoughts I know we talked about it a little bit last night during the game I just watching him go up and down that bench he's like a maniac there he looks it it looks like the flames needed Sutter and Sutter needed the flames what do you think yeah it really feels like I don't know perhaps he's just kind of doing it to kind of set a tone right now maybe he'll kind of tone it down a bit once he gets going with the team but like just to, like you said, seem going up and down the bench. Like he's always talking to somebody. He's always pointing something out, whether it's a player or to another coach or being involved and in trying to get the attention of the refs. Like he just seems to be involved in the game actively. And that's something like, I don't think we saw a ton of that under Ward or other guys. Like it always kind of seemed like past coaches have kind of just been standing in the one spot the whole game, maybe barking out a few things to a few guys. But like it seems like Sutter's actively involved. And I think, again, it's just – it's something fresh with this team. And I think, um, like I said, as he's trying to set his kind of tone and culture with the team, like I think it's really important to see him that engaged in the game, at least right now. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, we always were discussing in the past, like was it the core group of players? Was it the coach? Was it a little bit of both? I'm going to go out on a limb, and it's only the two-game sample. But Partly, maybe it was the players because they weren't playing potentially the right way in the system. But I think coaching was clearly the problem with the Flames. Um, This group has somebody out there now that I think they're like, this is an NHL coach. This is a guy that knows what he's doing. And granted, they shouldn't, you really shouldn't think that way. You should play for whoever is on your bench. However, this looks like a team that is like, yes, we finally have someone steering the ship. Like, we're not just floating out in the middle of the ocean. Uh, Maddie, thoughts on that? Like, it's, I'm a big fan of, I think it's definitely coaching was the major problem with the Flames, but what do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think what it really comes down to for me is like, like you said, obviously you need players to be executing the system and you need talent um, to be successful. But I think a really good coach, no matter what, is going to be able to find a way to get something out of their group, no matter what it looks like, even if it's on paper, like a weaker roster, like you can play smart hockey and still be effective. I mean, I just think about like the first year of the Golden Knights, like they're sort of spare parts roster effectively. I mean, like obviously there were some great players on that team, but like getting as far as they did, you know, that I attribute a lot to coaching. Um, So 
that that's sort of always my fallback there. So. Yeah, no, I think that I, I think you said it absolutely perfectly. It's like Sutter came in and said he wasn't going to change the system. He wasn't going to do much with it, but it's clearly the players are executing the system much better than they were under Jeff Ward. And maybe that's because the system is being pitched better to them at practice and whatnot. And Michael, they have, someone mentioned during the broadcast last night that um, the Flames practices are only 30 minutes, 35 to 40 minutes long. They're super short. They're quick. They work their butts off and then they're gone. It just kind of seems like everything is like Sutter's coming and be like, look, we don't have to practice for two hours. You know, it doesn't have to be long in out, get the mission done. Um, what do you think is, do you think definitely coach involved uh, like coaching was the issue? I think um, when you look at kind of who the Flames have had coaching before, it was kind of always felt like the coaches were still trying to prove themselves at the NHL level. And like, I think when you had that kind of situation, you had the players, like especially the stars who were more quote unquote proven at the NHL level. So they were kind of in the position of like, Oh, we've already done this before. We know what we're doing. And the coaches are the ones that have to prove themselves. But now with Sutter, you have a guy who's, won a couple of cups and really had a lot of success in the league. And now he's the one that's proven the players are trying to kind of move up to his level. And I think that's why we've really seen them buying in a lot more. I know it's just been a couple of games really, but I think you have to look at that as like a main reason why the Flames seem to be doing better is that they finally have somebody who's the coach is going to dictate to the players what's going on. The players aren't going to try and decide what kind of level they're giving the coach because they know the coach isn't going to stand for any of that. So, yeah, I'm fully with you. I think it's – I don't even think you put it directly on Ward. I think you can still say it was the players who weren't playing their best at times. But I think now that they do have a coach, like you can tell how much of a difference it's really made. Yeah, no, but all, all valid points. I think we're all in agreement that there definitely needed to be some sort of coaching change here, and the Flames absolutely made the right call. I know there was a little – there was some eye rolling when the, the announcement was made, be like, oh, he's coming back, really? What's he going to do for the team? You know, it's it's a different era. And all those people that would be like, oh, you know, how are Sean Monaghan and Johnny Gaudreau going to respond to Daryl Sutter's tough style coaching? Um, they've been two of the Flames' best players since he's been here. Um, you know, Gaudreau's not, you know, he hasn't scored. Like, he didn't score last night, but he did so many little things out on the ice that don't appear on the score sheet that when you just watch the game, like, you can see that he's playing differently because he's been – tasked with a different with you know different uh what's the word i'm looking for different i don't know doing different things on the ice and i think he's performed brilliantly so yeah i'm i'm all in i think it's great i think you know the flames look good and hopefully this can can continue uh we're going to take a quick break here on the tinderbox when we come back some big challenges await the new daryl sutter led flames in the coming week and we will discuss those when we come back on the tinderbox you ready showtime on May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Michael, and Maddie here. We just gushed over Daryl Sutter for a little while, and we're all in that the Flames are going to win every game from here on out, finish the season undefeated, so that's good. Uh, no bump, just going all the way. Uh, we did break down a little bit the uh, Flames and Canadians. Now, the upcoming schedule has Mr. Connor McDavid coming to town, and 
For the most part, Calgary has played him pretty well this season. I think Michael Backlund has played brilliantly against when he's been matched up with McDavid because Backlund is just such a good defensive center. But um, as we found out in the last game, you're not going to hold McDavid down long. Uh, he went three games. Toronto shut him down in three, no points, and then he picked up three game points in his first game against the Flames um, after that three-game slide. Uh, McDavid leads the league in points with 51. He's second in goals with 17. He has 34 assists. Uh, he's got 21 power play points. Um, what are the Flames going to have to do? This is this is now their big test because Montreal, okay, that was fine. Montreal's still a good hockey team. You know, you beat Carey Price, that's great. But now you've got arguably, even with Leon Dreisaitl, two of the league's best offensive talents coming in. Maddie, how are the Flames going to slow down Connor McDavid and the Oilers? Um, an act of God, perhaps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a, a violent snowstorm that shuts everything down so they don't play. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard because, I mean, Edmonton is, you know, they're only, they're seven points ahead of the Flames. They're, the Flames are a ways back from Edmonton, but they can leapfrog Montreal fairly soon if they play well and get into that uh, fourth spot in the North Division. But, I mean, it's going to be a tough task, and we're going to see how that Sutter defense matches up with two of the league's elite goal scorers. So, uh, Maddie says, "Act of God." Michael, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much at that point too. I think even more so than um, than shutting down McDavid. I think you got just have to kind of hope to shut down the rest of the Oilers and accept that him and Drysdale are probably going to team up for two to three nice goals during the game, and then. You have, I think I said this before the last meeting too. Like you kind of just have to accept that they're going to get at least two on you, and then you have to find a way to get three, kind of thing. But on the bright side, I feel like at least the Sutter system from what we've seen so far can shut down the rest of the team. So hopefully, the Flames are in a position where, like I said, they only have to score maybe three or four goals instead of like five or six, like they had to win that one game earlier in the year. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much active god territory to stop McDavid. Like I'll be shocked if he's held pointless in either of the next two games. Yeah, so they've got Edmonton on Monday and Wednesday, so that's a tough test. And then after that, it gets a little bit lighter. It's only two in Toronto against Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. So, you know, it's, you know, no big deal. I think this is the big test right here to see, like, is this Flames team legit and for real? Has everything really changed? Because you have two of the league's best offenses, you know, four times this week. That's, you know, that's a rough, rough patch coming in. Um, if you look at that, you know, it's a busy week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Um, the Flames split this week. Is that acceptable, Maddie? Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, especially, like, new coach, everybody's kind of getting adjusted. My expectations, even considering the success they've had so far, are still pretty low. Um, yeah. So I, I'd be good with that. Um, to circle back to those short practices again for a yeah. second like yeah i feel like we're gonna see down the stretch here um that's gonna be big I, especially you know this season like how you're managing your players and fatigue is gonna be huge because this schedule is just brutal yeah i mean you look at four games next week then it's it's another four game it's you know a friday saturday back to back with the jets um and then it's, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Sunday, Monday, you know, then they got a couple of days off. But yeah, there's a lot of, and it's, their back-to-backs are coming, Jets, Oilers, Maple Leafs. 
you know, they don't have back-to-backs with Ottawa, though Ottawa's been dominant against Calgary so far. Um, Michael, now I kind of like want to, I like Maddie's point here about, you know, managing your roster at this point, short practices make sense. Um, when do you think the next time we see David Riddick step in, he's got to play one of these four games this week, right? And they can't do what they did to Markstrom and have him start, what was it, 13 of the first 15 games this season? Uh, Michael, when do you think we see David Riddick again? Well, with Sutter, he seems to have been a coach. Like, going back to his Flames days and his Kings days, he likes to ride his number one. But I would be shocked if we don't see Riddick at least once against the Leafs just because of how well he did in those other two games early in the year. They seem to be a team that he kind of just has a groove against. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I would probably say, I think, what you say, Friday is the first game against the Leafs? Like, that would probably be it for me. I imagine they'll stick with Markstrom on the home games. But, yeah. yeah, I would say probably the first game against the Leafs is what I'd put my money on if he was getting in this week. Yeah, because he's got a Friday. They got the Friday Saturday doubleheader, so it's just a matter of which which one you want to put him in there. Yeah, I, I mean, he was there when Kiprasov had that seventy game season. You know, like you can't. Neither of these guys are built to do that. And you saw, you know, Markstrom got worn down earlier in the season and got injured. So, um, speaking of roster stuff, we we've been clamoring for youth, right? We've been begging for. Glenn Godden to come back up and Matthew Phillips to get his shot and Adam Rzitska to get up there, all of these guys. But with the way Josh Levo has come to life, um, you know, scored in two out of the last three games for Calgary, he's played really well. Um, are we going to, you know, Levo's playing well, that fourth line is doing well. Are we going to see any? I don't think we're going to see any of those kids at this point. Are you guys happy with that? Are you okay with that, just with the way the Flames are currently playing so far, Maddie? No. <laughs> I want to see the kids. And I don't know. I I'm expecting Levo to regress, quite frankly. Um just kind of given his history. Um I I would still like to see see the kids and I know there's you know trying to make a push to get back into the playoff mix, but you know, it certainly wouldn't hurt to get some of these guys into the rotation and getting used to the new coach, new system. If you're expecting that they're going to be key pieces next season, um, that really hasn't changed for me. Okay. Michael, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think Maddie kind of brings up a good point with the Glevo. Like I expect him to kind of cut back to the norm, but um, like that fourth line has been really good. I've really liked uh, the Lindholm line with Kachuk and Dubé. And I think, um, at least on home ice, Lucic back and Manjapani has been a really solid line too. Like the only spot you could even really see open again is that right wing with Gaudreau and Monheb. I know Mark, you and I kind of talked about it on our chat last night. Is that like he's been all right? Like he's never going to be great. He's never going to be amazing on that line. But like at least we've seen so far with him there. It's like he's got a good forecheck. He's got some decent skills. Like I think. The only spot you could even see a young guy coming up is in that spot. And I mean, like somebody I'd love to see there's Matthew Phillips because he's just been torching the AHL this year. Like I've been watching a good number of their games and like he's clearly too good for that league at this point. But like, I don't think you put a guy who's five, six and 140 to 150, according to some of the websites, like on a line with Johnny Gaudreau. Like I don't think that would work, but at the same time, like his skills are ridiculous. Like I'd like to see him get a shot at some point, but it looks like it might take an injury or something for that to happen. Yeah, I agree. Cause that, that's really the only one spot in the lineup is that, that forward spot. And I think I likened it last night. Richie's kind of like furling up there just without the skills. 
Um, you know, because Furlan, when he was up there, provided some offense on that line. He provided a little bit of physicality, some protection. And that line was tough to play against. Um, he definitely benefited from playing with Johnny Gaudreau. But um, I don't think Brett Ritchie is even in, not even in the same ballpark. He's not in the same neighborhood or the same zip code as Michael Furlan was when he was on that line. So, um, yeah, I think that would be the one spot where I could see. But I agree. Putting two short guys up on a line like that's probably not as it works in Nintendo hockey when you can build your team of all small guys to skate around everybody, but that really doesn't work in real life. I just I couldn't see that. Then you'd have to juggle some things around. But um, lines, how about the um the Derek Ryan line? The confidence coming out of that group, the fact that they were out on the ice nursing a one goal lead uh, against Montreal says everything I think you need to know about the confidence that's in that group. Um, Matty, Derek Ryan comes back and all of a sudden things are good with the Flames, right? What a revelation. <laughs> right. right. The one guy that can win faceoffs does well. Who'd have thought? <laughs> no, but seriously, like, I mean, what kind of confidence do you think that gives that group of that grouping right there to be like, hey, guess what? Game's on the line. Go hold it down for us. I mean, it's it's gotta be huge, right? I think they talked about it on the broadcast last night, right? That Sutter's big thing so far has been like he's been really clear with rewarding guys with ice time for playing well. So um, I think that's huge to get that nod from your, from your new coach. Michael uh, coming as the seasons, you know, starting to come around the turn, you know, it's good to have your fourth line producing like that. No. Yeah. I think it's been really impressive to see, like I, I've always been a huge Ryan supporter. Like I'll go to bat for him like any game of the year, but I think, um, even more so is that like guys like Sam Bennett who weren't happy with their roles, like he's mentioned in a couple of his media availabilities lately that he's been happy to see that he's had more of a role in the team, even though it is like technically fourth line. But I think he said something along the lines of it's not a traditional fourth line. Like they're still getting 12, 13, 14 minutes a night. Whereas like with Ward, we were seeing some guys only getting like two, three, four minutes a game. Like it's, I've just really liked how Sutter's handled the lineup as a whole. Like, I put something on Twitter last night. It seems like all the forwards are between like 12 and 17 minutes. All the defensemen are between like 16 and 22 minutes. Like he's really balancing his line well. And what that seems to do is that's given everybody like a real drive to try and help a team win because everybody's kind of carrying an equal part of the load to get the W, which I've been really impressed with. Yeah, no, I agree. And he's giving guys chances that weren't getting chances, you know, not to harp on the Shillington thing, but I really hope Shillington is in the lineup give him a shot against Edmonton, put him out there, you know, see how he does. Um, and, you know, maybe he'll start to get a bigger role with this Flames team. Um, anything else anybody want to touch upon? Or I think we covered uh, covered the week that was all two games. <laughs> anybody got it? Mike, you got anything you want to add? Uh, just, I just want to say again, like, I know Maddie said we should pump the brakes, but like I, I'm, I'm leaning dangerously close to like, Going facing straight down the hill, like I'm, I'm getting excited about this. Like it's, it just seems like the culture has completely changed in two games with this team. Like just even the way they're they're conducting themselves off the ice, like it's just, it's super exciting right now. And like I, like I said, I don't think they're going to go on some like ridiculous run, but like at the very least, it seems like they do have a very legitimate shot to get to the playoffs again, which it really felt like they didn't have under Ward. So yeah, I'm super excited at this point. So. Maddie is getting new rotors and new brake pads. Michael's cutting the brake lines on his. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Maddie, anything you want to add before we get out of here? Um, 
No, I'm just, I'm glad things are fun again. Like, it was so bleak for a little while there. Yeah, someone on Twitter posted, like, I can't watch, to the effect of, like, I can't watch these games anymore. They're so boring and plodding. I'm like, are you kidding me? I would take games like this the rest of the season. They would, I would watch hockey like that forever. Just as long as they're winning, they're having fun. Everybody's fully engaged. Like Michael said, the forecheck has been out of this world. Um, it's just it's just fantastic. Um, so I'm thrilled. I'm happy with everything that's going on. And if you're happy with us and you enjoyed this podcast, please check us out on Google Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify and also on iTunes. Just search up Matchsticks and Gasoline or the Tinderbox and you will find us there. Download it, like it, follow it, whatever you have to do. You can also find us on Twitter at MatchsticksCGY on Facebook, Matchsticks and Gasoline, and on the traditional old interwebs at www.matchsticksandgasoline.com. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of The Tinderbox, and we will catch you next time.